five, and you're listening to the one two three show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. Now let's turn to our very first topic uh, of today. Uh, we've often talked about the impact of COVID nineteen on on various areas, from uh, physical health to mental health uh, to the environment. But there's a group in particular uh, which we've not really focused on before. Uh, now imagine having to leave your home, uh, your loved ones, and and all your belongings, knowing that you won't be able to return to your country for years or or ever again. This is the reality for thousands of refugees uh, here in Hong Kong. So what has it been like for this group of people, often marginalized and not able to work or go to school here in Hong Kong? Uh, Well, let's find out a little bit more about the impact of COVID-19 on the refugee community. And for comment, I'm delighted to be joined by Rachel Lee, who's the Research and Policy Officer at the Justice Centre Hong Kong, which is a human rights NGO that supports uh, refugees and asylum seekers. Welcome to the programme, Rachel, and thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. So tell us, first of all, um, what sorts of work do you do at the Justice Centre? What sorts of support do you offer refugees and asylum seekers? So the Justice Centre provides legal support to uh, asylum seekers going through the process in Hong Kong. Uh, We have a team of dedicated lawyers who um, provide um, uh, in-depth legal assistance to our clients. We also provide um, social welfare assistance to uh, our clients. So this includes um, provision of um, psychological support or referral to other medical services. Um, And myself, I uh, work with the policy uh, and research team at Justice Centre. So we conduct research uh, and uh, efficacy and policy work uh, to advance uh, holistic systematic change to benefit uh, this group of uh, vulnerable migrants. Yeah, you do a lot of um, advocacy work, as you mentioned just now. What sorts of outreach do you do? Who do you target with, with, with your research then? So um, we work with uh, various uh, entities, including um, the government. We work uh, very closely with uh, legislators, including uh, legislator Fernando Cheung, uh, to advance um, legislative and policy change in Hong Kong. We also uh, work with uh, UN human rights mechanisms. So this includes providing submission, for example, uh, to the various uh, expert human rights experts working at the UN level, and also uh, highlighting some of the human rights concerns in Hong Kong that we see uh, 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 that our client group face um, at the uh, UN uh, level. And precisely this group of, you know, uh, marginalized group, they really need all the help that they can because essentially they leave their home country, everything that they're familiar with, to a place like Hong Kong, uh, which, to be honest, maybe they don't speak the language and and they don't understand the culture. They really do need all the help and support um, they can from, from your NGO. Uh, Precisely. And uh, I would like to highlight uh, the fact that um, the Refugee Convention uh, actually has not been extended to Hong Kong and the Hong Kong government uh, refuses to um, extend uh, wider protection to uh, people who are seeking asylum in Hong Kong on the basis that uh, the Refugee Convention is not applicable to Hong Kong. So the support provided by the government is very uh, minimal. Uh, So, for example, the social welfare support uh, is aimed at preventing destitution. Uh, and it covers um, very limited uh, uh, um, areas, so including um, about 12 
at $1,200 for food or $1,500 for rent. Uh, and you know, in Hong Kong, such an expensive city, it's really hard to live uh, with that amount. Um, so it's a very uh, difficult situation for people who need protection in Hong Kong. Yeah, Let, let's talk about food, for example. I mean, the government offers $1,200 um, for food. Is it in a form of uh, food packages or is it in a form of, uh, in a, in a form of cash? How, how does that work? So it used to be in the form of um, bags of food, uh, but um, this is a very, uh, as you can imagine, it's a very uh, degrading way of distributing food because uh, either the food is uh, of bad quality or maybe even spoiled, um, and also it may not be appropriate for that person's diet if they have restrictions or maybe they have a young children who need, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. So it, it used to be bags of food, but um, they've changed it now to a prepaid supermarket card that uh, refugees and asylum seekers can use at designated uh, supermarkets. But there's some restriction on the food card, so they cannot purchase ice cream, for example, because I guess it's not an essential food item. Um, but what if and they it's so can't purchase they can't milk eat powder. ice cream? I mean, they can't buy ice cream. <laughs> They can't buy ice cream with the government's uh, food card for refugees and asylum seekers, no. Wow. Um, What other restrictions does that prepaid supermarket card have? Um, So you can't purchase milk powder. Um, So if you have a young child or a child that needs to consume milk powder, um, you need to apply uh, for for special uh, um, subsidy and provision. Um, So, so yeah, there are a lot of uh, restrictions um, and uh, quite often the amount that's been, um, uh, the amount uh, that the food cap provides is not enough. So it's one thousand two hundred dollars uh but like recently for example because of covid if you go if you've been shopping at supermarkets you'll you'll see that a lot of the prices has been inflated so um a lot of uh, our clients struggle to purchase food because of the inflation yeah what about essential items like sanitary napkins and all those i mean that's not part of food i mean do women um uh, refugees and asylum seekers get an additional allowance for these essential uh, items so they receive a toiletry bag with uh, some personal hygiene items um, but uh, we've also um, heard from clients that they may not always be appropriate um, for their personal use so for example they prefer a particular type of menstrual product over another type yes. um, that they don't want to use that sort of thing yeah, yeah. oh well yeah that's let's turn to a little bit more about sort of the impacts of the pandemic what has it had on refugees uh, here in hong kong yeah, so I guess um, the government doesn't really have a policy when it comes to protecting um, this group of uh, uh, people, so refugees and asylum seeker. Um, as I mentioned, food has been a big issue due to inflation and the that um, they have very little cash on hand often, and they have to purchase food with this prepaid food card. So they, a lot of our clients uh, and other refugees and asylum seekers have struggled to purchase food um, due to that. Um, social distancing has been difficult because they often live in crowded conditions because, as I mentioned, the uh, rent subsidy is $1,500 per person. It doesn't get you a very nice apartment, as you can imagine, in Hong Kong. Um, so they, they often share apartments, like, like perhaps two families will share a small apartment or they will live in sort of a co-living spaces with other uh, people seeking protection. Um, so these uh, uh, apartments are often crowded and cramped. 
Uh, so social distancing isn't really uh, possible for some of them. Um, as you can imagine, um, personal protective equipment has been very hard to come by. And uh, it's not until April, as far as we understand, that the uh, government um, starts to distribute uh, uh, masks and uh, hand sanitizer to, to the refugee community. So that makes it very difficult for them to travel. Um, and they do need to travel because they often have reporting requirements um, under their reconnaissance conditions, or they may have to go to the police station or the immigration center, for example, to report that without mask and proper uh, personal protective equipment, it's been uh, very hard for them to uh, uh, commute and travel. And um, I guess for children, um, for, re for refugee children who are still uh, in school, um, they may not have the technology to access Zoom or distant learning. They may not even have a computer or Wi-Fi at home. So like many uh, uh, vulnerable or marginalized community, you know, it, it hasn't been, uh, the technology for distant learning hasn't been accessible to them. So, so yeah, it's, it's had a big impact on the uh, refugee community. Wow, that's so heartbreaking to know that these children aren't able to, you know, do any e-learning because, like you said, they don't even have um, computers or even the internet at home to be able to get access to that. Uh, what about in terms of their mental health? I mean, I understand that you know refugees can't legally work here in Hong Kong, so a lot of the times they are stuck. Um, do you do sort of any psychological assessments or help them through this, especially during now with the pandemic? Um, have you looked at the psychological uh, impact this has had on their uh, mental well-being? Yeah, so as you mentioned, refugees cannot legally work. Uh, some of them, a lucky few, uh, can apply for a discretionary work permit. So uh, some some um, successful uh, refugees in Hong Kong uh, have had jobs, which um, has a big positive impact on their mental health. Uh, but most of the refugees and asylum seekers that we assist um, uh, are not able to work. And due to the uh, lockdown rules, a lot of them have been stuck uh, at home um, and feel very isolated, which which is especially hard for them because they're often in the city alone or they don't know a lot of people. So the community that, that they've built uh, around other uh, uh, refugees and asylum seekers is really uh, important for them in the social interaction. And, and the uh, um, so, so uh, due to the lockdown, um, it has really... Um, excavated their um, anxiety and depression and perhaps PTSD, which yes. some of them uh, struggle with due to what happened uh, at home. Yeah, so so it's, yeah, it, has, it, it also has a big impact on their mental health. Yeah, well, speaking of PTSD, maybe, you know, with, with the whole social unrest here in Hong Kong, with all the protests, it must also trigger some of uh, the, the, the refugees' memory as well with, with perhaps social unrest that's been going on uh, in their respective home countries also. Yeah, and uh, we've heard uh, from clients that, for example, the heavy uh, presence of police officers um, since the protests um, has also been um, distressing for some of them who who had bad experience in their home country uh, with um, repression. Yeah, so Rachel, tell us maybe um, in terms of access to healthcare in Hong Kong, what options do refugees and asylum seekers have here in Hong Kong with, with the limited um, financial support that they have? I suppose private healthcare, they can't just pop down to you know, the GP, they, they rely heavily on um, uh, public resources, on, on going to public hospitals. I mean, what, what sorts of options do they have in Hong Kong? Yeah, so they can access the public 
public uh, health system, uh, but they are treated as non-eligible person. So they have to pay an a enhanced fee at public hospital. Yes. Um, while while they can apply for something called medical fee waiver. Um, it's discretionary, uh, and it also takes a lot of time. So they have to apply with the medical social worker at public hospital. Um, however, this the availability of this fee waiver um, is not widely uh, known. There's not a lot of information about this, and the process I've itself never heard of it can myself. be quite complicated. Yeah. I've never heard of this yeah. either. So what happens if a refugee, say, goes to a public hospital? He has to pay, uh, he or she has to pay an enhanced medical fee. What does that mean? So um, if you look at the hospital authority, they have a fee table. Um, if you're a Hong Kong resident or if, you ha- if you're legally in Hong Kong, so you have an ID card, basically, yes. um, you pay, I think, 180 Hong Kong dollar per That's night. Right. Uh, yes. If you use the ANE, yes. But if you are not eligible, so if you're a tourist or a uh, asylum seeker, then you pay, I think, one thousand three hundred, if I remember correctly. Wow. For uh, per night. But yeah. then that fee can be waived if they apply to, or if they speak to a medical social worker, which is present in in all public hospitals. But that's also discretionary, so they may not get that fee waived. And also, the a lot of people don't know that they can get this fee waived. So yes. what we've observed is people with um, what we call irregular immigration status. So, for example, their claim has been rejected, but they haven't uh, appealed yet. You know, so, so sort of in the gray area, they are very concerned if they access public health services, they'll be deported or arrested, even though that shouldn't happen. Uh, and but yet, there's this concern amongst uh, people with irregular immigration status that, that 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 this will happen, and therefore they often are too scared to access. Um, health services exactly and like you said i mean this information is not widely known i mean this is the first time i've heard of it um also um so i mean is the government advertising this information and and also making sure it's advertised in 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 the relevant languages respective languages um that asylum seekers can understand and not just in one language in chinese and in english um so I think relevant information is available in what the government calls minority languages. So, for example, uh, Hindi or Urdu, mm-hmm. um, but they're not specifically prepared for uh, refugees and asylum seekers. So a lot of people don't know that they are eligible for this uh, uh, service as well. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, can we talk about what the, what other impacts there are? So there's, on one hand, the health care, but on top of that, I mean, what do other countries do in terms of that? How do they combat and um, how do they help refugees and asylum seekers? So, for example, in the UK, uh, the NHS website very clearly states that um, all refugees and asylum seekers, as well as people with irregular immigration status, can access the NHS without fear of legal ramification. And they have a very clear list of where to go, what to expect, and uh, very clear information on whether this is uh, chargeable services or if it's free. So that's one example of how um, other country has has uh, extended healthcare to ensure everybody is protected. Um, other countries such as Portugal, uh, is granting temporary residency status to all migrants, so including refugees and asylum seekers, so that they can access uh, social welfare services, oh, wow. uh, uh, including uh, welfare benefits. Yeah. Oh, wow. And this is in Portugal. 
Yes. Amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the access to, to food and other supplies. I, I know you mentioned just now they get given a prepaid supermarket card um, of $1,200, but with inflation and, and with, with just panic buying as well, are they really able to get the, the necessary food items that they need? So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people that we work with haven't been able, have not been able to uh, purchase the food that they need, especially their staple foods such as, you know, rice, spaghetti, yogurt. Um, uh, it's often out of stock, as you said, due to panic buying or hoarding. Um, so, a lot of NGOs have stepped in to uh, provide uh, food. Uh, but again, with COVID, um, we, uh, a lot of NGOs who, who does this cannot provide warm meals, for example. They, they can't have a soup kitchen sort of uh, operation because of concerns about COVID. So it also has been very difficult for NGOs to, to step in and assist these people. Yeah. Um, finally, before I let you go, do you have any, I know you've also written to the government with a set of recommendations. I mean, what are some of the pressing uh, things that the government needs to do to in order to protect um, refugees and asylum seekers here in Hong Kong? Um, so the most important thing is for the government to acknowledge that there's been a, a gap uh, in their policy uh, when it comes to COVID and uh, immediately provi provides uh, PPE, enhance the uh, amount of food uh, um, that, that they that uh, each refugee and asylum seekers is assigned and also ensure that all refugees and asylum seekers are getting adequate uh, health care and knows how and where to access medical services if they uh, suspect that they may have uh, contracted COVID. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, they live in, you know, such close quarters with each other because rent is so expensive, you know, that they're, they're fitting lots of uh, different families, maybe in, in a small unit. So actually, it's maybe a hotspot for, you know, should there be an outbreak, it's actually very dangerous, uh, in particular in, in these communities. And it also affects everybody. I think that's something that uh, I, I really need to stress exactly. is that if we don't look after yeah vulnerable communities, then it will it will pour over to to the broader community. So it affects everybody when it when it comes to a health crisis. So it's really important to ensure everybody's protected. Exactly, and and no community should be you know like you said left behind. Um, you know we we operate um, as a society. Um, and also, Rachel, before I let you go, can you remind our listeners how we can do what? What can we do to help? Um, is there a website that we can find out more about the Justice Centre, and what can we do to help? Um, yes, yeah, so if you just Google Justice Centre Hong Kong, uh, it will direct you to our website. But there are also other amazing NGOs in Hong Kong supporting this community, including Christian Action, Run Hong Kong and Branches of Hope. And I encourage you all to check them out as well. Yes, they're equally as wonderful as well. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for, for joining us today. We really enjoyed uh, hearing more about this. And I look forward to inviting you back on uh, next time as well. And we've been speaking to Rachel Lee, who's the research and office uh, uh, policy, uh, policy officer at the Justice Centre here in Hong Kong, which is an NGO that supports refugees and asylum seekers. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you.